0: hi everyone welcome to the next level life podcast this is your host tony kane i'm super pumped today i have managed to get brendan kane on the show so no relation but brendan lives in la and he is a social media expert he's written a book called one million followers so brendan built a million followers on facebook in 30 days and then he replicated again doing a million followers in 30 days on instagram so he's an absolute expert in this field so brendan's work with people such as taylor swift mtv paramount pictures so strap in today get the notepads ready i hope you get stacks of gold out of this podcast i know i will so thanks for tuning in This episode is brought to us by Grace and Kenzie Jewelry. If you're a lady out there and you've been thinking of just tricking up yourself for the wardrobe with some really purposely crafted jewellery, check out graceandkenzie.com.au or if you're a guy out there listening and you need to find something for mum, your sister, your girlfriend, check out graceandkenzie.com.au. It's really cool jewellery for any occasion. So thanks for sponsoring. Let's get into it. So Brendan, I've just finished reading your book, uh, One Million Followers. I know the story, but can you explain to my listeners, you know, how you grew to one million followers in 30 days?
1: Well, I mean, first to start it off, it's like I, I didn't wake up one morning and just be like, I'm going to do this and and just automatically did it. I spent, you know, I've been, first off, I've been in the tech and digital space for over 15 years. And then the systems that I used to generate a million followers in 30 days took me about three and a half years to kind of develop and perfect. And you know, the biggest thing that attributes to our success and, and success with any client that we work with, everything comes down to content. And you know, when I developed this system, it was all around how do I test content at scale to really understand what content themes, formats, structures work to the tune of getting them to perform a specific action. And that process can be used for anything. It's not just follower growth. It can be used for lead generation, traffic, sales and it's really a three step process um this, the process is simple but it's not necessarily easy because there's a lot of nuanced detail that goes into it but the three step process is, goes as follows it's hypothesis test and pivot so first step hypothesis is is what are the content format or structure that we think is going to drive the specific action that we're going after so in this case we're talking about follower growth so we have to design what type of content is going to cause somebody to be like, "I this content's amazing, I have to go follow this account. So what we do in the hypothesis phase is typically we start with what we call competitive analysis or finding reference points. Um, Because there's people out there in the world that have already generated the success. So why not learn from them? It's the same thing as like if you're a musician or if you know anybody that's learned to play a musical instrument, you don't start off by just creating original music. You learn the basics, you learn other songs, you get good at those songs, and then you can design your own music. Now, that's not to say we're saying steal people's content. But yep. well, well, what we are saying is steal the formats, the structures that they're using. So an example of a format that I'm sure everybody has seen is on Facebook or Instagram. You'll see like a, beam, a burned in meme card with like a headline at the, at the top or, or captions at the bottom because most people with Facebook and Instagram, they're watching with the sound off. So that's like a format. So, again, what we say in that hypothesis phase is do your research, do your competitive analysis to find out what is uh, working in your industry. Then, based on that hypothesis, we want you to go into the testing phase. And in the testing phase, you quickly create a proof of concept of that hypothesis. And when I mean quick, I mean quick. I don't want you spending weeks or a ton of money creating it because we don't know if it's going to work for us just yet. Just because it worked for somebody else doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you. So in this testing process, you create that that low-cost proof of concept to get it out into the market to see if your hypothesis holds true. If your hypothesis doesn't hold true, meaning it didn't generate the response that you were looking for, then we start the process all over again. We create a new hypothesis. We test And we pivot doing that over and over again until we find something that works. And once we find something that works, then we allow it to scale and see if that performance holds at scale.
0: Well, I love your example in the book about that, um, to that point there with Under Armour, how they came to you. And if you could share that story, how you really quickly and easily produced that testing phase and the report of what they need to be doing.
1: Yeah. So we do this with a lot of clients. Under Armour was one of them and, with them, they had a partnership with the University of UCLA. So they were trying to understand, well, how do I package this partnership in the best way possible? You know, what are the different types of content? How can we format that content? And more importantly, how to work with the different audiences that we're going after, because there were different audiences that they were looking to um, target with the new partnership with UCLA. So we created several iterations with the creative agency and put it out there and tested to come back with solid data of what was resonating, what wasn't resonating. Another example of that is we did a test for a movie campaign for a movie called Florence Foster Jenkins that, that starred Hugh Grant and Meryl Streep and the same situation as they came to us, uh, you know, a few months before the movie was coming out. I think it was even further before that. And they were trying to determine, okay, what is the tagline that we should use on our posters and on our TV spots and all that. So we created a test around that to test what taglines were resonating with the specific audiences that they were trying to attract uh, to the box office.
0: And I love when you you wrote about in the book, Brendan, about how you can do like a dark test. So you don't actually have to test on your followers to sort of, you know, you don't have to burn followers, so to speak. You can actually run multiple tests uh, with people who actually aren't following you already and just use that data from them and then implement the right stuff into the people who are already following you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The beauty of the Facebook advertising platform, which extends to Instagram as well. So the Facebook advertising platform, if people don't know, it powers Instagram, WhatsApp, and Facebook Messenger. And as you mentioned, there's what's called a dark post. Now a dark post automatically gets created whenever you are building an ad uh, through that platform. And A dark post just means is it's not posted live to your feed. So what that allows you to do is gives you a lot of flexibility to to what you said is you can determine exactly who you want to target. You can say, I only want to target my followers. I want to exclude my followers. I want to target me at males versus females. I want to target um, specific age groups, uh, what products or services they buy, and then all the way down to specific zip code. Yep. Uh, they their postal code. It, the The flexibility and the power of it is just truly remarkable as you basically can be your own market research firm and do it at a fraction of the cost. There's no minimum spend on the platform. You can literally spend 10 or $20 and learn something from it.
0: And get a lot of data. Exactly. And, and Brendan, I must ask so I don't get in trouble from my wife and my daughters. So what was it like helping out Taylor Swift to help her grow her social media profile?
1: Yeah. So when, we worked with Taylor, it was very early on. So there was kind of a, the inflection point of her career where she wasn't a huge global superstar, um, but she was on the rise. Like, to be honest, when I first, uh, I, I got introduced to Taylor through a partnership with MTV. And when they asked me if I wanted to meet Taylor, I didn't know who she was at the time. Uh, because again, it sounds crazy, but she's, she wasn't as big of a star as she is today. But uh, our, our work with her was less on growing her social audience and more helping her. I had built a technology platform that could help uh, engage people through official websites. So we built a technology where literally we rebuilt her entire site in less than six hours. And she could dynamically control every element without having to write any code because she was very hands-on at the time. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, just worked with her on that official website presence to really build up the the core interaction with her fans, help launch a new fan initiative and bolster and scale revenue through her e-commerce store. And, you know, a lot of the work I would say was done more with her team than with her. You know, my interactions with her were limited, but the meetings that I did have with her were very positive. She was uh, very, even at that early age, very brilliant. Like she is the reason for her success. Like it's not like a record label or anybody else. Like she, put in the time she put in the, the, the effort she understood better than anybody the power and value of fostering one-to-one communication with fans to really bolster that brand loyalty and that's what i really attribute her success to perfect
0: and i know i don't have you for long today so if it's okay i'd love to get a little bit tactical for a little uh for, for a little bit just to go through a couple of key points that i really found were golden in your book so mate, the first thing i want to you know in the list i've got here is Talk to me more about the importance of measuring the ROI and knowing your numbers when you're looking to, you know, whether rebuild or build up your social profile.
1: Well, the biggest in, in, it's not in the current book. It's, it's in one of the courses I have and we're putting it in the second version of the book. But one of the exercises that I always start with for people is why are you doing this? Like, why do you want to build a social following? What is the ultimate outcome that you're after? Uh, and that can be anything. Like I'm not choosing that answer for you. And I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong answer to it, but you need to define that for yourself. Is it that I am trying to generate revenue so I can quit my job? Is it that I'm trying to go after a book deal, a record uh, deal to get brand influencer deals, whatever that is, you have to clearly define that for yourself. And the reason that's so important is because that is going to be your, your guiding light when things get tough. Because all the systems, as you've seen in the book, and I just wrote down a three-step system, it's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Like, it, it takes work, it takes time, it takes dedication. Like, if you follow the process, keep testing and iterating, you ultimately will be successful. Um, now, for a lot of people, the sustainability nature of this has to be ROI-based. I'm not going to say everyone, because other people may have different reasons they're, do- they're doing it. But if it's not sustainable in the long run for you, uh, then it's just ultimately you're going to quit or ultimately you're going to run out of steam with the resources that you need to be successful. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be financial resources. You could do it all yourself, but let's say you're doing it all yourself and you've got a full-time day job and you're not understanding where that return on investment is going to come from either a partnership or a big deal, or maybe it is e-commerce revenue or brand deals but that, that clarity will help people really define how you're gonna make this sustainable and when things get tough, it's gonna to keep you going for the long haul.
0: And Brendan, what do I gather? So once you've got that sort of, once I, you understand how much you can afford you know, both now and into the future. And you've done that hypothesizing, that testing, that pivoting, and then you really go for it. What, one thing I loved um, in your book was the story about, was it um, Julius DeAnne where he mentioned it was so hard for him to get to 1 million, but once he got to 1 million, I think he went to 2 million in, in a couple of months and that multiplier effect where the big thing that kept, I kept reading in your book was shareable, shareable, shareable. So how important is to make sure your content, is shareable, not just putting stuff out there for the sake of it.
1: Well, everything comes down to content. If you don't have good content, you won't accomplish anything uh, on online. Again, whether that's coming to followers, uh, sh- engagement, revenue, whatever, everything comes down to content. And th- each platform's a bit different. Um, you know, Facebook is really designed around shareability. Instagram and YouTube less around that and more about. You know, triggering reach and the algorithms and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, like your content and the concept around your content should be shareable because that'll tell you if you have something that's worth putting out and whether it's going to resonate. If it's not, then it's it, it's not going to work on any platform. And that's where people go wrong most of the time is is first off, you know one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make with with their content is, they're going for frequency over, over quality, and we've seen the reverse. It's not, it's not really about frequency. Sure, with YouTube, a little bit, it's, it's frequency-based, but at the end of the day, it's the quality of the content that drives the results. Uh, so what I always say is I'd rather have people focus on the quality over the quantity of their content. Um, and then also, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they're focusing on saying the same thing in the same way as everybody else is you've got to find a way to differentiate yourself and stand out and overcome the noise. So when people are, are scrolling up in their feed that they, you know, they have a reason to stop um, because there's so much, there's so much content pushed is you're not just competing against your direct competitors. You're competing against every other piece of content posted. So you're competing against like a Kim Kardashian Uh, you know, a a big news outlet, uh, you know, the top fashion model, all those people you're competing for their attention, you're competing for not just the user's attention, but for the algorithm's attention as well.
0: And that probably brings me to the next thing I had there was that speaking to the personality, Brendan, um, you mentioned in a little story there about Bill Clinton, you know, when he was in the presidential race, he was sort of, one of the things he said was you, it took, you talked about this, the harmonizers might be 30%. You've got to know what type of personalities are out there. And one of, in one of his um, presidential sort of um, election speeches, he, one of the first replies he had to a lady who made a comment was, I feel your pain. That was the very first thing he said. And that just sort of landed really well. So how important is that is knowing what type of audience that you're going after and making sure that you're, you're structuring your content to suit that different type of personalities.
1: Yeah. So what you're talking about is a process communication model. And there's a lot of communication frameworks out there. At At the highest level, you've got to understand that people perceive the world in different ways. You know, with the process communication model, they say that there's five different ways people perceive the world. But again, at a high level, just because you perceive the world in a certain way doesn't mean that everybody else can perceive the world in that same way. And most people when they're designing content they're not designing content for their audience they're designing content for themselves yeah a huge mistake are there people that somehow get lucky with that sure or intuitively know that yes but a majority of people don't so the biggest thing is is really understanding your audience and understanding that your audience perceives the world in different ways so there's some people that perceive the world through feelings and emotions versus other people feel the perceive the world through thoughts and logic versus others through values and opinions, all very different. And oftentimes what we say uh, in the content that we produce and also in the process communication model is, is oftentimes it's less about the content and it's more about the context. It's how you wrap the message. You could be saying the same thing as another person, but it just doesn't resonate because you're not speaking the way that they perceive the world. So I think it's critically important. A lot of the work that we do is in communication design, is in human behavior and psychology, because it dictate, dictates how you effectively communicate your message to get somebody to perform a specific action.
0: No, I love it. And guys, here's the book. I'm going to have it in the show notes. You've just got to go get it. This is like, Brendan, I look at this like a textbook. I, I think I ran out of ink. There was so much stuff I needed to highlight there. But if you're in business and you're looking to grow your following, you just need to have this on your desk and just, just go back and forth. But two more tactical things I had, Brendan, you might be able to answer them together, was um, the importance of building strategic alliances and the idea of going global. So we're in Australia here and, you know, it's a, it's a sort of a big market, a small country, but I I would love to think that my listeners can start thinking more globally because, you know, there's only 22 million people in Australia, but there's a lot bigger market out there.
1: So first off on the strategic partnerships and alliances, one of the pieces of advice that I give people always starting out, and it's advice that I always follow is if, If you're looking to scale, or even if you're looking to just start from scratch, go where the traffic is. Don't create it. It's like there's so many places that have already aggregated your audience. So how can you best leverage that to get your brand, your product, your service in front of it? So just giving you some examples. I'm on a podcast with you right now. You spent a great deal of time establishing a big audience. I'm getting in front of that audience. I'm leveraging your audience, providing value to them to extend my brand there. Another example is a few people really understand how YouTube uh, was sold for $1.6 billion in less than two years is that they leveraged MySpace's traffic to do that is when MySpace first launched, they didn't have their own video player. So YouTube was one of the first companies to build a embeddable YouTube player. And so they offered that to MySpace users and MySpace would upload their videos or grab another video and add it to their MySpace profile to decorate it, to add more uh, context to it. And then when, if I posted a My or a, if I posted a YouTube video on MySpace and my friends saw it, they clicked the YouTube logo because they wanted to create their own. So that's how they funneled a bunch of traffic from YouTube Uh, from MySpace to YouTube to build their audience quickly. Instagram did the same tactic when it came to Facebook as they were posting content to Facebook profiles at the time. So again, it's just think about where is your audience currently? How can you get in front of the current traffic sources, whether that's an Instagram account, a podcast, a blog, a website, uh, whatever that may be, to get your message in front of as many people as possible and then drive it back to your website, to your social channels or wherever it it may be.
0: I love it, that's gold, Brendan. And what about the global strategy?
1: So the global strategy, listen, is not right for everyone. Like if you're a local business, like if you're a local restaurant or a bar or something, it's not really gonna make sense for you to to go global. But for the rest of us, especially with everything that's happening right now, with the lockdown, it's changing the world and the internet has been changing the world. And the fact that it's truly connected to everybody. Now, a lot of people, you know, with everything that's going on, especially brick and mortar businesses or, or, or people that were building businesses online are now f- having to find a way to, to take their business and, and turn it into a digital business. With that, the world opens up to you. So let's just say you're a yoga instructor and all of your business was in person uh, doing yoga classes, but now you're having to do online yoga classes. Well, you're no longer just restricted to the specific town that you were doing it. Now the, the world is open to you. So I think that especially here in the States, people often get caught up with only targeting people in the States because there's a, a lack of perceived value of extending beyond that. Uh, but if you look at really the smartest people in the world, the smartest brands in the world, uh, they're having to scale. Like you, you, you take... You take uh, Facebook, for example, it's like their biggest country in the world is is India. Yep. And they're investing heavily because India is gonna be the world's largest population in less than five years. And I think, I don't know what the stats are la- now. Last time I checked for Facebook, it was like, I think they had like 350 or 400 million people on Facebook in uh, India. And there's 1.3 billion people. Yeah, it's right. like, that's where their next level scale. It's like you look at Google and the crazy stories of them putting hot air balloons over Africa to try and provide internet access. People don't realize that a third of the world's population is still not connected to the internet. That provides tremendous opportunity. Uh, And like the the industry that I first started off in, the movie industry, it's a global industry. You know, 60 to 70% of box office revenue for an American-made film is made internationally. So again, it it depends on, on, on your business and your brand. But I think that really extending beyond just your to other countries uh, is worth looking at if it makes sense for your overall plans.
0: And Brendan, what about, what I found interesting in your book, you talked you gave that scenario, how there was a, I think it was a young girl who went for a casting um, in in a movie role and she, she and her competitor both looked the same. They were both um, equal. Equal in terms of their talent, but the the person with the biggest social media profile got the job. And um, so I'm looking at this from a perspective of even if you listen to this podcast or watching this, and you're not you don't have a business, but I, I sort of think that the larger your individual social profile is, the more uh, a likely you're going to get you know a better job, and b the higher you be paid because companies are seeing the value in their employees having bigger reaches. Is that sort of a trend that you're gonna you think that will continue?
1: Yeah, I think it will continue. I think it's, you know, as people figure out social media, more and more people learn how to, to aggregate audience. To me, the, the way that I look at it is how can you strategically leverage it? It's like, to me, it's to build a social following, to be an influencer. That's not interesting to me because it's such a crowded market right now. So where the way that I look at it and you already kind of started alluded to it is like, how can you take your online presence presence, your online following, and turn that into offline opportunities. So for example, for me, of generating a million followers in 30 days, first on Facebook, and then generating a million followers on Instagram, was how I can leverage that for larger opportunities. So I leveraged that to get a literary agent that led to a publishing deal. Then, from the publishing deal, I got the book published and Speak Around the World. I get on large podcasts, I get on television, um, you know, I build campaigns around that to drive more uh, business opportunities my way is i'm not looking at it from the traditional influencer standpoint of oh i'm just going to create an audience and then try and sell brand deals which is a very saturated market but looking at it from a, a larger perspective and there's there's so much opportunity if you figure out how to take your audience online and leverage it for offline opportunities and also leverage your offline opportunities online and let the two play off of each other i think those people to figure that out will win you know and, and create bigger uh, strategic you know, revenue growth opportunities or partnerships or whatever they 're going after. I think that those people in this next wave will have tremendous success, not to say that you can't have success the other way, but just thinking about it differently than everybody else and standing out
0: I love that that is absolute gold and, and Brendan, I know it's the, the clock's ticking, but one question I wanted to ask you to sort of finish off with was. If it's, you know, 2020, we're going through it. If someone's out there listening or watching this and they've either wanted to rebuild or initially build up their their social profile for, for whatever type of business they're in or individual circumstances, if you if you had, you know, if you could write something in the sky that everyone in the world could see right now that would help them to, you know, just get started or a, a quick tactic or a, a hack going into 2020, that what what would that be, do you think?
1: Well, I already alluded to it. I think that first understanding why you're doing what you're doing. What is the ultimate outcome that you're looking for and benchmark everything off of that. And you've really got to determine there's kind of like at a very high level, there's two directions you can go in. It's like, I need to make money right now. Like, that's my goal. If you need to make money right now, it's not about generating followers. What it's about is, is generating advertising campaigns to generate leads, to generate clients, whatever that business is. And, like our tactics in the book work, work for that as well. It's just not, it's not just about follower growth, but my, especially with everything that's happening in the world today is if you need to generate revenue, revenue, now, focus on revenue generation and, and just even focus on how do I sell the first product? How is, how do I close the first client? And you'll learn a tremendous amount about that. And the advertising tools on social platforms are amazing at helping you do that. Again, it's a it's simple process to follow. It's just the testing and the iteration to figure out what works. The second approach is, okay, I'm playing the long game here. I don't necessarily need to generate revenue right now. I need to build validation. I need to build credibility around my brand to leverage that for more strategic opportunities, for that long-term grow, brand building growth, for that long-term revenue generation. That's the approach that, that I took with all of my stuff. If that's the case, then yeah, you can, you can generate followers and go after that. Now in anything that you do to be successful on social media, whether we're talking about the first approach of, of leveraging paid uh, advertising to generate revenue, or if you're looking to generate uh, you know, followers and playing the long game is you've got to become a student of the game. You've gotta f- do the competitive analysis you've gotta do the research to find the reference points but like it's it's kind of baffling sometimes uh to me where we we work with a lot of people um around the world, and most of the time they're they're not succeeding because they're not paying attention to how content's structured the nuanced details of it finding solid reference points and constantly testing and iterating and learning it's it got to a point where we we had to design a private um community where all we do is focus with people on these two-week sprints where we have them create content submit it for us for a review we give them feedback live on our calls and then give them direction for the next piece of content just so we can get them in that process of constantly iterating and constantly testing and learning because that's the only way you're going to learn. It's like most people will just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and then they're expecting that all of a sudden their performance is going to improve. It's like no, <laughs> if you've been doing something for months and your engagement's not increasing, your followers not increasing, it's time to blow everything up and start from scratch. And, and also, people are so worried about brand consistency and tonality and colors and things like that. And it's like first generate some success find a format or structure that works and then we can go back and figure out how do we we tie this into tones and colors and and branding and things of that nature Uh, but but just thinking about it from from that perspective i think will will really set you up for for long-term success and just understanding that this is a marathon it's not a sprint
0: and that that is brilliant mate and and the last question i have for you is if you know um, if we were to fast forward 10 years what would you know for you personally and professionally what would have to happen in the
1: next decade for you to feel like you've had a really really good decade in business well i've got another book coming out in about 2 months and that's going to be my core focus for the next 10 years and and that book that book is called hook point how to stand out in a 3 second world and it's really a, how you separate yourself uh, from the crowded market because we live in a world where there's sixty billion messages sent on on, on digital platforms each day is you have to find a way to stand out. And what we've learned over the course of doing this for 15 years is there is a formula to that. And and most people, you know, there's a lot of books on branding and about purpose and why, which is valuable stuff to have. But in the world we live in today, if you can't capture their attention in the first three seconds, none of that matters. Right. And and that's kind of really, you know, the world that we're entering into, it's getting more crowded. And it's fascinating because it doesn't matter if whether I am working with a billionaire, or somebody just graduating from college is most people struggle to be able to articulate who they are and what they do succinctly to be able to get somebody to stop in, in this three second world that we that we live in for the right to earn the next 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. So that's really where my focus is is going is to help people with that because that is uh, the the biggest need that I see across the board, uh, no matter what goal, what industry, what product, what service is to have this hook point to be able to grab attention uh, in this this crowded and micro attention world that we live in today.
0: Mate, I love it. Well, all the best for that, Brennan. And mate, thank you so much for coming on today. I know this. That was extremely valuable and I was so lucky to have you on both. And I'm really lucky sitting in this seat. I get to learn myself and, you know, I'll go back and watch these plenty of times. But mate, just to let you go, buddy, what's, where's the best place for my listeners to find you?
1: Yeah, so they can, uh, they can find me on Instagram and direct message me at Brendan Kane. They can uh, get the book. Uh, it's, it's on Amazon or they can go through, through uh, one of our funnels where they get... Where they get some additional add on bonuses and they can get that at uh book.1 million if they want the physical copy. I'll, i um
0: actually if you send that to me, I'll let that in the show notes for us too, Brendan.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, I'll send you we have a, a physical copy one and a an audiobook version too. Right. But um yeah, it's it's up to you. You can get it on Amazon, but the the benefit of going through the other one is the other ones, it's, it's actually cheaper and there's some additional add-ons if you want that. Um, and then they can visit my website, brendanjkane.com. It's spelled B-R-E-N-D-A-N, J's and Jack, K-A-N-E.com. And it also on that website, it lists the different ways that we kind of work with people on their their social growth and strategy.
0: that would be brilliant. I'll make sure I direct over there. And mate, all the best with the uh, upcoming book launch. I'll make sure um, we promote it and grab a copy. And mate, thanks again for hanging out with us today for half an hour, Brendan there you go that was so awesome being able to get inside the mind of someone like brendan is invaluable and i hope when you're listening that you you've got the inspiration to know that you can too grow a social media profile and and, and that's just going to be ultimately good for business and good for life so but probably the most important thing i gained from that and what i do personally is don't rush to do it don't throw good money after bad you're better off to sit back Test, 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 like Brendan said, hypothesize. Understand what your content is. Understand what type of people that you want to absorb your content. Understand what type of content you think is going to be shareable. Because we didn't have time to go in today, but... The more shareable your content is, right, the cheaper it costs you to promote your content. So that's all in the book. But thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I was so glad I was be able to get someone as uh, experienced as Brendan on the show today. So take care. Thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. That way, every time I uh, put out a new podcast, it'll go straight to your phone or your computer. And uh, if you think there's someone in your life who would benefit from having to listen to this podcast, please share it. And uh, if you haven't already, and you're feeling friendly, leave us a little review that just helps us to grow the podcast and get more people access to, to the podcast so thanks again stay safe and look forward to catching up on the next podcast